Well, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend, whether it was a small in-person deal or whether it was a a Zoom gathering that, uh, for me personally, got to gather people from every coast. And uh, and my dad won't let a Thanksgiving go by without hearing what everyone's thankful for. And so he was going to gather us to do that, and we did it, and it it was fun. And, uh, and today, uh, we get to hear from a guest speaker, Dylan Mortimer. Now, Dylan is not physically with us today uh, because Dylan, uh, about midweek, Wednesday afternoon, he and I started talking, and he's severely immunocompromised and uh, has had two double lung transplants. And, and so we just pivoted midweek and said, let's, let's record this message. And so on Friday, we recorded this message in his studio down in uh, uh, Westport, uh, and he's going to share that message of hope with you today. That's the one thing that it's chock full of is hope. And so we're so excited for you to hear from Dylan. He's going to be joining us in the virtual hub after the service. So if something resonates with you, uh, whether you're here on site, run to your car and hop on the link. Or you're on, if you're online, there's a link to all those uh, uh, meeting rooms in our chat window. Thanks for being here. And let's hear from God through Dylan through this video today. Good morning, Heartland Community Church. I'm so ecstatic to be with you. Uh, I'm really glad to be alive at all. Um, for those of you who know me and, and those who don't, my name's Dylan. Uh, I've been a friend of Heartland for a long time. Uh, and I've had quite a journey of medical history of ups and downs and highs and lows and healing and despair. And um, I uh, have survived two double lung transplants. Um, I was born with a generic, uh, genetic um, condition called cystic fibrosis that is degenerative. And you know, so my life has kind of been a battle uh, in all of this. Um, when I was born, the average life expectancy was 17. And I just turned 41 recently. Uh, somebody out there say amen. <laughs> Thanks in large part to prayers from a lot of people, including you at Heartland. Uh, so many of you have prayed for me over the years uh, in some of my darkest times and some of my hopeless times. And so I really uh, am excited to, again, be alive at all, but to be with you today to share some hope. I, I feel uh, hope is, is being attacked in so many ways right now, you know, and, and you could say that about a lot of times throughout history, but, uh, but certainly, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, all the political stuff that's gone on, uh, you know, economic, uh, people losing their jobs. I mean, you could go thing after thing after uh, for reasons as to why people are having their hope attacked. Um, so I'd like to speak to you specifically today from a place of seeming hopelessness, you know, and like what it feels like to be in that spot where you just, you can't find any hope. You've searched and you cannot find it. Uh, and, and how do we hope inside of that? So I'm going to talk largely from the Lazarus story uh, in Luke 11, where Jesus, just to spoil alert, Jesus rises this guy from the dead. That's what happens. So like, uh, that's where we're going. But I'm more going to talk about his process going into that. Um, Before we do that, I I, I just, again, need to thank uh, all of you so much. I'm, I'm so uh, grateful uh, for all of you and, and, and all your prayers, all your thoughts. Uh, you have stood with me in some of the darkest times, um, and I'm with you. Now, I, I don't know what you're going through. It could be a really uh, joyous time. For most people, I'm guessing it's a really complex time and, and, and possibly a really difficult time, uh, and I want to be here with you right now. To start off, before we even get to the Lazarus story, I want to 
read from 1 Corinthians 13. You may be familiar with this passage that talks about love. It's often read at weddings and, you know, gonna love is patient, kind, all the qualities of love and how love is higher than any other thing we could give to somebody, truth or even service or, you know, uh, which I think is, by the way, really poignant in our, this political season, everything we've just gone through. Paul is saying, if I don't have love, if I'm not being loving to someone, uh, everything I'm, else that I'm doing is nothing. Okay, I didn't say like, it's pretty good. This is nothing. Love is, is the highest thing. In other words, I could have truth. I could have information, facts that I think people really need to know. But if it's not coming in love, it is, Paul says, not just kind of good, it's nothing. Okay, so Paul is pleading with us, like, look at what love does. Love is higher than all these things. And towards the end of this kind of charge, he's saying, uh, he, he uh, giving more qualities of love, he says that love always hopes. Every time, for everybody, there is nobody past hope. There is no person, right? There's no situation, there's no circumstance where hope is not invited in the context of Jesus, Paul's saying. Uh, love always hopes. In a time where hope is being attacked, let's dive into this. Um, so I'm going to pray real quick for us. Uh, God, we need hope. Um, we would be kidding ourselves. Uh, if we're honest at all, we have all faced times where we just have run out of hope. We don't have it. And we need it desperately. Um, some of us are, are maybe more attuned to that than others, but God, we, we, we all know uh, if we're not needing it now, we will in the future. Um, show us, Jesus, how you are the hope, how you bring hope to, to seemingly hopeless situations, disastrous, traumatic stories that seem to have no redemption in our minds. Would you help us, uh, God, and speak to us, teach us, show us ways that we can hope when there doesn't seem to be any reason to. We just pray that, pray blessings over Heartland, everybody watching this. May you be filled with hope in a new, fresh way, uh, depths of which uh, you may have not have ever experienced. I pray that upon everybody in Jesus' name, amen. So I wanna share with you essentially a few things in this story of Lazarus that I feel uh, Jesus living his life shows us how to hope. And again, a situation where there doesn't seem to be any reason to hope. Lazarus is already dead. The first I want to talk about is how God is unchanging. He does not change. Uh, that may not seem like a huge deal at first. It's an extraordinary deal. It's like the biggest deal. When you think about it, everything else is changing. Right? Everything in our world, everything in our country, everything in our city, everything in our, ourselves, our bodies, our mind is all changing, right? We're changing, our friends are changing, our family's changing. Everything is in constant flux. God does not change. Seems like he does sometimes, but he does not. We're told over and over again in scripture, he is unchanging. It, it may seem like he's doing different things here and there, but his nature, his essence, does not change. This is verse 21. Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am 
the resurrection, and the life. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Do you hear Martha's question here? Uh, where did you go, Jesus? You were with us, but then you left. Something changed. Uh, you were next to, and, and if you were here, if it hadn't changed, he wouldn't have died. Okay, uh, Martha is learning, as, as we all are, that, that Jesus is in fact God and, and therefore omnipresent. There is no place where he is not. Okay, so, so she, like we are learning, he's there uh, everywhere. It, it, he, does, he doesn't change. There was no, like he, he was with us and, and then he went away. And the thing is, like, we, we've all felt like Martha, totally. Like, we've all felt like there was a season in my life I felt really close to God. There was a season, you know, things were working or this was this or that. Uh, but then it changed. It got different. Something, you know, I, I didn't feel God's presence as much. I didn't feel like I could sense or hear anything. Um, but again, we're told time and time again, God will not change. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Um, I certainly, in my journey, have had many times, right, and going through two lung transplants, and, and especially this last one, um, where I felt abandoned, you know? I, I had all these questions of God, like, where were you? Um, how could this happen to me? This, this isn't fair. This is, uh, I, I'm literally losing my breath. You know, I, I can't, um, my, my lung function was, like, went from 95% to about 10%, meaning, like, just going upstairs was immensely difficult. I was eventually on oxygen. And in all that time, I mean, I'm crying out to God, like, like what's the deal, God? Like, I, I mean, I'm trying to do your stuff. I'm trying to obey. I'm trying to listen. You know, I'm doing the best I can. You, uh, you know, healed me once. I mean, I, I did the first surgery. Everything went well. Uh, and then I'm back down again. Um, I know a lot of you can relate, maybe not to that story specifically, but like you're, uh, you feel like I've climbed enough mountains in my life now, right? Like it's, it's time to kind of coast for a while. And that's, that's how I felt in there. There I was like about to face the deepest valley I'd ever faced. Uh, and, and you, you know, cry out, God, why? So as I was doing this, this is uh, fall of 2018, I felt God woke me up at about five in the morning, uh, one morning and, and just said to me, I want you to trust me more than your own breath. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, sure, how, that sounds nice. How do I do that? Um, what does that mean, God? And so the, the rest of that year until the time of, of the second transplant was me unpacking, um, what does that mean? God, God is, is more real than even my breath is. And when my breath is failing me, he's not. Right? When, 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 I don't when I don't feel I can breathe, I, I still have him. He is present and with me in a way that is, is more real and deeper than my own breath. Because he doesn't change. He's, he's always with us, right? Like it, it, it's never, he, he will never forsake us. It will feel like that. And I certainly felt that way at that time, but he showed me how he was present with me even in those times, even in all that trauma, even in all that pain. You may be familiar with the story of Job, <clears throat> where uh, Job, this guy has everything, then has everything taken away, and you know does 
38 chapters of why God, like wh why is this happening to me? I, uh, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. It's not about that. He has all this argument with his friends and all this stuff. Um, he, in the end, is uh, never given an answer to his questions, but God comes rather with his presence, right? He doesn't give him something, he gives him someone. God comes in his presence and doesn't answer the questions, but reveals who he is to Job. Job never gets his why. We see the why, God knows the why. It's like everybody else in the situation sees the why but Job. And isn't it like that for most of us in our lives? It's a whole lot easier for other people outside of us to see the why, to see what God is doing. And it, it often sometimes is really difficult or, or we just don't get the why. And we cry out to God, why don't I get the why, <laughs> right? God uh, works with us so that we learn to love him more than the why. Learn to worship him more than the why. If, if we need the why and we cannot live without it, guess who our God is? It's our own understanding and the, the why becomes our God. And so through stories like Job and circumstances in your life, often God withholds that why a little bit in order that we might look to him more so than the why. We can ask for the why. It's right to ask for the why. Like Job is, was right in asking God, why are you doing this? Those are, are fantastic questions, but God wants to know, am I more important to you than the why? So I specifically want to ask you as we start this out, um, where was God when he seemed absent to you? I want you to just kind of ask that question of yourself in your own kind of prayer time as you go through the weeks. I want you to specifically think of a time where God seemed absent, like he had changed and he was gone and not there. Do you dare to ask him, um, God, could you help me see where you were? You know, because he, he may give you that why, he may not. But if you, if you ask, um, I, I've often been surprised, like I was that morning, I woke up and go like, wow, he... Um, he certainly doesn't want me to be sick, but he does want me to know that he is more real than my breath is. And I can rely on him more than breathing, which I, I don't know about you, but I rely on breathing a lot. But God's like, yeah, you can rely on me more than that. Your breath is temporary. I am eternal, God is saying. I don't change. God seemed absent to me. I was losing my breath, but I was not losing him. And, and in all that, that time, um, I'm having to go three days a week to the hospital for treatment for rejection uh, of the first, lung, first transplanted lungs. And, uh, you know, I ride on the subway like an hour and a half to get to the hospital. It's just brutal. And it's, you know, standing room only. And so I'm, you know, squished all like this for an hour and a half. And uh, one day this lady gets on there and she's just praying for people. And, you know, who needs prayer? And, who need and so I'm like, I need some prayer. Uh, so she comes over and prays over me. Psalm 63, David says to God, your love, O Lord, is better than life. And I just lose it, <laughs> you know, like, wow. Like she's, she's speaking this truth over like, God, I, I'd rather have your love than, than my breath even, you know? I, 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 it would be worse for me to have all kinds of breath but not have your love. Your love is better than anything that there is to offer, right? Uh, and God gives that to us. He, 
in his unchanging way, he will never not offer that. And it's always offered in any situation, any room, any context, any season. His love is better than all of life. His, his verdict of us and his salvation of us is better news than any news that we would hope for, right? Be it politically, be it in terms of job, be it in terms of health. Whatever good news we are hoping for, his news is better than that because his love is better than life. That's why Paul can go in Philippians 4, I'm, I've learned to be content in any circumstances. Don't get me wrong, I, I like nice stuff and all that, but like, I, I am okay whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I'm rich or poor, um, because I know this God that does not change. My circumstances will change like crazy. He won't change. And that gives me contentment and peace that transcends all this other stuff. Then in Psalm 34, in the message version, I love how it puts it here. Verse one to three, I bless God every chance I get. My lungs expand with his praise. I live and breathe God. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. Join me in spreading the news. Together, let's get the word out. Mm, somebody out there say amen. <laughs> uh, second thing I want to talk about is how in this story, God weeps too. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, this is Mary now, the sister of Martha, and the Jews who had come alongside her uh, also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Okay, right off the bat with this, uh, two different responses. I want you to just notice like two totally different responses to two different people in the same exact situation. But these two women, these two different individual people need very different things. And so to Martha, it's this really heady, theological, cognitive, I am the resurrection of life. Uh, Mary, that's not what she needs, you know? She needs somebody to weep with her. And Jesus comes and just weeps with her. And of course, you, you, know, you read this story and go like, uh, he's about to, raise him from the dead. Why didn't he just tell them that he's gonna do that? I think that's what I would do, probably most of us would do. Uh, hey everybody, don't worry, um, I'm gonna fix this situation, it's really okay, he's gonna come back to life. He doesn't do any of that. He comes in and enters in the emotion with them and just weeps. Hmm. He, uh, as I've thought about this more, um, when I think about the story, especially, I've thought about the story a lot in the context of my journey, and I'm thinking, um, Jesus in that moment is sadder than Mary is about her own situation. You know, uh, Jesus, this, is, this was not the plan, you know. He didn't want Lazarus to die. He didn't want anybody to die. Uh, and, and because he knows so much more than Mary or Martha know, he is more grieved than they are. And yet, simultaneously, has more hope than they know how to have because he knows what's about to happen, right? So 
Can you imagine this picture? Like he, he, he comes in there, he knows what's gonna happen and he weeps with them. And, and, and in his weeping, he has the, the capacity within himself to mourn more than they're mourning and also have more hope than they know how to have because he is the hope and, and he knows what's gonna happen. And it's the same with you and I. He grieves over what's going on with me and with you more than we do. When tragedy and trauma befall us, he is sadder about that than we are. And he simultaneously has more hope than we know how to have because he knows the outcome, you know? Like he knows that, and even if it's bad news, and, and in this case, even in death, right? He, he's, he's conquered death. He, he has more hope and he knows that better than we know it. So we look to him uh, to fill the kind of span of human emotion from grief and despair and sadness to joy. He has it all and he, and he has it more than we have ability to contain within ourselves. There's no better lesson, right, of this way of, of kind of praying out your emotions than, than the Psalms, you know? Like a, again and again, we see this outpouring of grief, despair, doubt, uh, reflection on traumatic things that have happened and also joy. The writers are kind of like writing their way into um, God, it's a prayer before you. I feel this way and it's real. Uh, and I think these thoughts and they're real, but I, I humbly submit them to you, the one who is sadder than I am about the sad things, but more joyous than I know how to be about the things of joy. Uh, you are the one to guide me through, through these difficult times. So uh, for me, I, uh, it, it was a few months ago that, um, it was about nine months ago now, uh, I was you know, recovering from this transplant, I was doing well, I was starting to run, I mean, it was, everything was great. And then I break my ankle ice skating with my sons. So, um, <laughs> so that was bad enough. And then um, that week, like a slew of things happened. I, I, um, I had to drive with my broken leg, not yet you know, surgically repaired yet, to, to St. Louis to get uh, a bronchoscopy to check my lungs, in which they found some infection and a little bit of rejection that was treatable, but nevertheless, so then I do a pick line IV on me, I get the surgery to repair the ankle, and this all you know, happened in the space of three or four days. So uh, my body just kind of like goes into shock and the way that I've learned now after this happening two times with both transplants that my body goes into shock is it starts um, incessantly hiccuping. Um, so I'm just hiccuping, hip, 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 you know, for days. Like I just can't stop, you know, uh, can't sleep, I can't do, you know, uh, and I'm trying all kinds of drink water and hold your breath and somebody scare me. I mean, I'm trying everything that there is to try and none of it's, you know, I go into the ER uh, to get treatment for this and, and uh, they give me some IVs and it helps a little bit, but I'm still, I still got these hiccups. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm praying, I'm going like, God, what is the deal with the hic I mean, I'm doing everything. And that uh, Sunday, I realized that that was when Kobe Bryant died uh, in that, that helicopter crash. And now I had rooted against Kobe Bryant every single game of his career, um, you know, with the Lakers. But uh, uh, that story was just, it was just so sad, you know? Um, and I, 
you know, I'm like, oh, this can't be. It just, you know, and his daughter was on the helicopter. It was just, it was so sad. I just start weeping, you know? I, I'm just there on my couch, just weeping. And the hiccups go away. And so I, I go, oh my gosh, like, this is what God's trying to tell me? Like, I, uh, I, I have some grieving to do, you know? I have not, like, grieved over all the trauma that's happened to me. And I've just kind of stored it in this, you know, let's just keep going mode. Um, th this is terrible what's happened to me. And, like, God wants me to weep with him. I can't imagine the weeping that he's done over my life and yours, the things that he, he didn't want, he didn't want me to have to be born with a lung disease and have to go through all this, you know, uh, dramatic surgery. And all that. Like, that's, that's not what he wanted. Uh, that, that kind of uh, expression uh, releases so much. And it, you know, it, it, we see God himself doing that, um, teaching us that that's a, that's a process of hope. This artwork you see kind of around me, like this, this is what I do. I'm a, uh, an artist, a painter, sculptor, collage work, and, and um, we've got a, a few slides for you here in the presentation. It's largely about um, taking these traumatic things that have happened to me and kind of transforming them into sort of shiny, glory, you know, beautiful things, trying to, um, using imagery of scars and cells and um, bronchial branches, some of it's biological, some of it's, you know, uh, you know, referencing different things, Air Jordan shoes where, you know, there's air in the shoes and it's all, it's kind of a quest for hope in, in the middle of, again, seeming hopelessness. It's kind of like they're often set in this sort of dark night sky, like, uh, like it would seem to be a, um, uh, ominous situation at first, but the, you know, like a beautiful night sky, when you stay with it, it you know, all this beauty just comes out. You see these stars and the moon and things you've never seen before. So it is often with uh, the difficult things in our life. Uh, we, you know, in the, in the moment, we just, we want to get out and we want to, you know, rightfully so, we just want it done. Uh, but if we, um, if we have the ability to see the transformation that's happening in us as we're weeping, right, as we're going through these things, it's, it's powerful uh, and, and gives hope not only to us, but to everyone around us, seeing our story, uh, you know, following with us and, and interacting with us. The third thing in this story I want to point out is that God is unfair. We've uttered that all the time. Like we've, we've thought it if we haven't verbally spoken it. God is not fair. This isn't fair. I'm going through this thing. Why me? I don't understand how come all these people are not, but, but I'm, you know, it's, it's just not fair. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take the grave clothes off and let him go. Uh, we've all felt that God, if we're honest, we felt that God is unfair to us sometimes. Um, and, and people all the time come up to me, uh, you know, like if, if they hear any of my story, they go like, I'm, I'm going through something and it's hard, but it's nothing like what you're going through. And, and I'm like, okay, no, this is, it's not a suffering contest. This is not a, your pain is real. Uh, your trauma, your, whatever you're going through, it's, it's real. Okay. And it's, you suffer, I suffer, we all suffer. That's, it, there's no, it's not a contest. And so we have all gotten to that place where we, we uh, rightfully ask God, what is going on? Uh, 
what would, how could this, it seems so unfair, and we've thought that so often. Uh, the good news of Jesus is that God reveals the unfairness is always, always tilted in our favor. It doesn't mean that we don't go through hard times and challenging circumstances and, and uh, you know, tragic things. But the bigger arc of the story is unfair to God. The whole uh, central message of the gospel is that when we abandon, left behind, ignored God, he pursues us pursues us with that love that always hopes for us, even when we didn't hope for ourselves. And he does for us what we could never do for ourselves. To the point of Jesus sacrificing himself, dying and resurrecting from the dead. Um, it's not fair. It's, we, we didn't do anything to merit that, and we are given it. Isaiah 43, uh, there's this verse that my wife and I like prayed over a lot as I was put on the transplant list again, and it just rocked us. Uh, as God is saying this to Israel, uh, he's saying, I love you so much, I will give people in exchange for you, right? Nations for your life, okay? Like he, he's speaking about the restoration and redemption and forgiveness of the nation of Israel, but I'm reading this as like a, a transplant recipient and you know, on the list to, to like receive another person's life. It's this insanely heavy gift that you, you grapple with. Uh, and, and people will ask all the time, like what is that like to have received that kind of gift like two times now, you know? Um, it, it's, it, it's not fair, it doesn't seem fair, right? Um, and it's not fair, but, but it's the, the only way, you know, it's inexplicable other than to say it's, it's kind of like receiving the breath of life the first time, right? It, it, nobody owes us breath. Like, we didn't earn breath. It wasn't, uh, you know, like somebody checked our resume and gave us breath. It was just a gift that was given to us. It wasn't fair. It wasn't, it wasn't earned, it wasn't merited, and that's the point. You can imagine, like, for me, um, to, to receive a gift like that, I can never, I can never repay it. I can't, I can't give lungs to somebody else, I can't, nor could I go around and thank everybody enough that prayed for me and, you know, thought about me and all that. Like, I can't, I could never do that, and that's the point. I get to just humbly receive it, and it's hard work. <laughs> Right? Because everything in your, your pride, your ego, or whatever, like, no, I can do this on my own, you know. And, and <clears throat> I got to a place, like so many people do, where I realized, like, yeah, I can't, I cannot do this on my own. And I either need to, to choose to not receive this or receive it and allow this gift that I didn't earn or deserve or, you know, to be bestowed on me. I'm working through this story with Lazarus because, uh, I think sometimes this may seem unrelatable a little bit to people, like it's so wild this guy you know, raises from the dead, or my story of two double lung transplants, like okay, I haven't exactly been through all that, uh, but my message is that we all need a donor.
We all need somebody to do what we can't do, right? To, to, to give uh, their life for us. This is the message of Jesus, right? That like, when we were poor in spirit, when there was no reason really for us to be blessed, he chose to bless us. And he did it in a sacrificial way that he gave up his breath so we can breathe. So my story isn't, isn't really so different from yours. You know, we, all, we all need a donor, maybe not an organ donor, but we need, uh, we need, we need Jesus to donate himself for us in ways that we could never uh, possibly accomplish for ourselves. I love this song, The Reckless Love of God, that talks about the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And they say, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, and still you give your love away. As our heart expands our, our capacity to contain hope, the more we realize the gift, the unfair gift that has been given to us. Yes, there's challenges and trauma befalls us and we should ask for more uh, and, and that's, that's appropriate. God tells us to do that, to ask for, you know, to, to uh, contend for health, to contend for, you know, financial things, to contend for good relationships. He tells us to do that. But underneath all of that, uh, even if we didn't have any of that stuff, we have been given this unfair gift of breath that we didn't earn, we didn't deserve, uh, but he chose to give himself away. I uh, have this, this art piece that I did kind of, I started like uh, right before the second surgery and ended um, after the, the surgery, um, like once I was kind of able to get out of the hospital, finish this piece, that's kind of a rendition of the story of the guy being lowered through the roof to Jesus for healing. Uh, he's a paralytic and his friends want to take him to Jesus, the room's too crowded. Uh, so they lower him down in there. And that, uh, just the vulnerability of that, the like, um, I am, you know, it, it just flies in the face of kind of everything we're told in sort of Western culture to, you know, uh, buck up and do it yourself. And uh, to, to be allowed to be that vulnerable, to just be laid out and, and allow people to help you uh, and, and give and infuse hope into you that you may not have even had for yourself. Um, that's what happens. You know, that's what happened to me and that's what happens to us in the process of uh, allowing God's hope to invade our hearts. It's his work, it's not our work. But he flows through us and then in the outflow of that we do things far beyond what we thought or, or could have dreamed or hoped or imagined. Uh, Romans 6 says, now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he can't die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. I want you to imagine if you were Lazarus in this story, and <laughs> Jesus rose you from the dead. Uh, what could possibly attack your hope, right? I mean, what could shake you? Parking tickets? <laughs> no. Right? Election results? Not, no. No. Nothing could possibly, right? Not, not even death could take away his hope. Because he knows now this unchanging God has defeated death. 
Death doesn't have mastery over him anymore. He has conquered even that. Uh, I shared with you uh, one of the last times I shared with Heartland, I'm going to just say this again, that, uh, that movie, The Revenant, I love this ending line where Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, fights a bear and goes through all this drama and, and uh, you know, he's kind of back at the, his cabin or whatever and um, he, he, he has this line, the camera zooms into him, he's all serious and he goes, I ain't afraid of death no more. I done it already. I just love the, the spirit of that, that that's what Jesus is saying. Like, you don't have to be afraid of death anymore because I've done it already. You don't have anything that can take your hope from you. This hope is available to you. It's unchanging and it works in any and every situation. It may not feel like it in some moments and it gets attacked as we all do, but it's there. It's there, you know, so our prayer is, God, like, help me see what I can't see. Help me see the unseen uh, and, and realize how your hope is operating even now. So here's just to kind of recap the ways I want to invite you into hope right now. May you know that you are raised with Jesus. Like Lazarus, like me, like, all, like what could attack your hope? in light of that. The more you know that and the depths to which you know it, the more you're like Paul in Philippians 4 going like, I'm cool. You know, like, I, I want good stuff. I'll ask for good stuff. I'll strive for that, but I don't need that. I, I have what I need. I have everything I need in, in the hope of Jesus. May you allow yourself the range of emotion from sadness to hope and everything in between. May there be no shame for you about like mourning over things to be grieved over because God mourns more than we do over them. And also more hope than we know how to have because he's got it. And may you have the courage to ask God when, when you felt he was absent, where he was. And he, he, he may give you a specific thing, he may not, but like I, I would challenge you to just ask and, and see what happens. You know, um, we, we sometimes know the reason, sometimes we don't. But uh, my guess, if, if, if you go to him with that and allow him to reveal how unfairly in love with you he is, you will be surprised. Heartland, thank you so much for letting me come and, and share hope with you. And I, and I hope that just as you chew on this in the coming weeks and months, that your heart would just explode in hope, especially, specifically in the times where there doesn't seem to be reason to. Um, I, I've had so many times like that in my life where doctors or you know, whoever telling me things, there's no rational, there's no cognitive reason to have hope. But this is beyond that. Wider, deeper, longer, further. There is hope available to you in any and every circumstance. You prayed for me, and I've come back from the dead twice to tell you about it. <laughs> Amen? God, thank you so much for your hope. Um, and, you know, we, we just say, like, we're doing the best we can, God, you know? Uh, this, this is all we can do, you know? But you uh, enable us to do more than we ever thought or dreamed for in your hope. We are nothing without you, but we are not without you. 
And so we thank you that, that your hope for us, when we didn't hope for ourselves, whenever the moments we were, our hope was at its lowest, you hope for us. You see us in you in a different way than, than we can perceive ourselves. Help us see a little more of that. Help us catch a little more of that in our heart uh, and, and help that um, enable us to be the shining stars that you have us to be amongst people, shining your light of hope. May we always remember that love hopes every single time and when our when, when our hope is tempted to be attacked, may we remember, you don't do that. You don't ever lose hope. You don't ever lose hope for us. And we sure shouldn't lose hope for you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, what resonated with you today? What part of that message of hope landed with you? Something landed in my mailbox about six weeks ago. It was from Amazon, and it was a toy catalog. <laughs> and it said, Joy Delivered. It was just the two words on the front of the catalog. Maybe you got it. My wife threw it away, like right away. <laughs> she didn't want the kids to see all the toys. But I kept it just as a like, oh, that's what Amazon thinks, you know, that they can deliver joy. God says, I got a much bigger plan for delivering joy. It's in the person of my son, Jesus. And so whatever you're grappling with today, whatever resonated with you, whatever's like a bolstering of joy that experienced, you experienced today, we want you to talk about that with someone, a spouse, a friend, a, a child. Maybe it's at our Zoom connect room here in just a couple minutes with Dylan and, and getting to ask questions or process and be prayed for. This day marks the beginning of this Advent season where, where joy is delivered. And we get to anticipate and wait and be ready for what God wants to do. Thanks for being here today. We love you, Heartland. We would love to pray with you down front here or in the Zoom room in our virtual hub, and we will see you soon. Take care.